Since everyone has a gender journey, Gender Journeys is a podcast for everyone. That being said, we occasionally touch on mature themes and use strong language, so listener discretion is advised. Relevant content warnings can be found in each episode's description. everyone, and welcome back to Gender Journeys, the podcast where we talk about just what the heck gender actually is in context. As always, I am one of your hosts, Josie, and I'm joined by your other host, my lovely partner, Elle. Hey, y'all. All right, so what are we talking about on the podcast this week? All right, so this is a bit of an ambitious episode of Gender Journeys. Okay. We're going to be talking about something that I only recently learned about and I'm certainly not an expert on, so this is going to like kind of be... An intro to the concept of pinkwashing, but there are many people who know a lot more than me, so we're just going to do our best. Yeah, and I also know nothing about this topic uh, (laughs) except for the word, and like maybe I think I have a big idea as to what it means, but I'm mostly going to be asking questions because I really don't know anything about this topic. Yeah. So I guess... Sometimes you can't wait until you're an expert to talk out on important issues. Right. But who knows? We might do a second episode where we correct or build upon things that we said in this episode. Yeah. We're just here doing our best. We've done it before. We'll Mm -hmm. do it again. Mm -hmm. This is a podcast about growth. So (laughs) we can always grow and change. Mm -hmm. So I guess to get started off here, we'll just dive kind of right in. Or I guess before we dive right in, I will say also that because we're not experts on this, we'll probably be citing a couple of resources where you might learn more about it. Uh, One of which is certainly a book that Elle is going to, I think, be quoting from during this episode. Yes, there will be quotes from Normal Life by Dean Spade. I finished it between recording our last episode and recording this episode. It's great. I strongly suggest it. And basically all that I know about pinkwashing comes from it. So like, if you want to read it, you'll be as much of an expert as I. (laughs) There we go. All right. So now to actually get started then on this particular topic, what... What is pinkwashing? I have absolutely no idea what pinkwashing is. Yes, let me tell you in the immortal words of Dean Spade from uh, Normal Life. So for context, Normal Life was written in, I think, 2010. Mm-hmm. And Dean Spade did a, like, revised and expanded edition in 2015. No, 2014. December of 2014. So all but 2015. So Trump isn't in it. That's fun. Um, but... This is in the afterword that he wrote in 2014, the end of 2014. All right. It talks all about pinkwashing, which I think was Mm -hmm. a word that was created in that early 2010s period. Right. And we've talked a little bit, we've talked about Normal Life on the podcast before as a Mm -hmm. book that you are reading and that other people should read. But what is Normal Life broadly about? That is a really good question. How do I sum up such a far-reaching and phenomenal book? Um, It is about... mm, political reform from a trans critical lens so you've heard about critical race theory Mm -hmm. this is kind of um i think the the term critical trans theory comes from critical race theory so it's it's built on the same concept and it's looking at how gender 
norms and gender roles are interwoven in our policies and mm-hmm. how the distribution of like bad life outcomes, the distribution of terrible things is unfairly skewed towards trans people having a really rough time of life and how non-discrimination and hate laws don't help that and how we Mm -hmm. have to go deeper and it does a lot of analysis of how power works on a population level and it is just phenomenal dean spade has is a lawyer who's done many years of law protecting or trying to protect trans people in the criminal justice system it's not just about trans rights, though. It's like much more, it's it's about looking at politics and policy reform from a trans lens. Okay. But it like is much more expansive than like just trying to include trans people. Okay. okay. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense then. And so then I guess with that kind of framing in mind, what is pinkwashing? Okay. So pinkwashing. Again, if, you, if you're reading it, it's on page 40. Pinkwashing has become a way for activists to talk about how LGBT legal equality is being used to legitimize and expand the apparatuses of state violence. Okay. <laughs> yeah, this is why I said I wasn't an expert on it. This is a this is a ambitious episode because like it's a really gritty topic. <laughs> like it's really mm-hmm. it's hard to pull apart. But basically, my understanding is. Kind of twofold. Pinkwashing can be when the government is doing really bad things. Government, U.S. government, other governments, any government, any power really, is doing really bad things and they're distracting you from it by being like, hey, but like, we like the gays. So like, we are equitable and awesome because like, it's kind of become synonymous with being like woke to like, support gay marriage. Okay. So that's one part of it. So like kind of a distraction tactic, like don't look at the wars that we're that we are involved in. Look at the fact that we approved gay marriage. Right. Or maybe if we're talking about war directly, don't look at the war crimes. Look at how inclusive we are with our new soldiering practices. Exactly. And we'll dive more into that exact example. But another way of doing it is um, or another kind of style of pinkwashing, again, in my understanding, is doing something that expands systems that create these uneven distribution of life expectancies that I was talking about earlier in the name of helping queer people. So for instance, there's been a movement recently, and I think it's actually been successful in certain places, to open new prisons that will house exclusively gender expansive people which is great. Yay. Gender expansive people won't be abused in prisons, except for you're opening new prisons, which are then going to be filled. So there's going to be more prisons. So we're expanding the prison industrial complex right? under the guise of making the prison industrial complex more kind to queer people, which again is kind of like a... Or more like quote unquote equitable. It, but specifically equitable to queer people, because like that's what right. this pinkwashing thing is about is like in the last couple of decades, um, being queer friendly has become very much synonymous with being liberal, even though it's not. Right. <laughs> um, you can be very queer friendly and still not liberal. Right, which I think is really interesting because I know, I was thinking about this the other day, this is not necessarily related to pinkwashing, but it kind of reminds me of how after Trump was elected, stay with me. Okay. There was, do you remember the show Roseanne? No. So Roseanne was a sitcom in the 
I think, 90s. I don't remember the exact timeline. I never watched Roseanne. Okay, well, that's an obscure reference. (laughs) But Roseanne got, you know, taken off the air because it's an old sitcom. And then when Trump was elected, Roseanne Barr, the, like, actress, was, like, a really ardent Trump supporter, and she got a lot of hate in, like, media critiques for being crappy, I guess, you know, for supporting Trump, for being racist or sexist or homophobic or whatever. Okay. And so she rebooted the Roseanne television series as like kind of like Fuller House, like mm-hmm. how like that kind of wave of yeah. 90s sitcoms being rebooted Coming happened. Back, yeah. And very notably, she included a character that was her grandchild who was non-binary in the narrative as sort of a way to try and show like no, Trump supporters aren't all evil and hate the gays. Look, I actually did my research, made a non-binary character, and my character on the sitcom loves their non-binary, loves her non-binary grandchild, and utilized that as like an actual character. But, no, so I think that would be pinkwashing. Is that pinkwashing? But that, so like it's that's like a watered down version of pinkwashing because there's not an actual system of power right. in question. Right. I think pinkwashing generally refers more to like actual systems of power, prison industrial complex, prisons, right. large corporations, countries. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I feel like that would be an example, like a smaller example yeah. of pinkwashing. Like this idea of like using, it's kind of, it feels, and maybe this is my lack of expertise, but it feels somewhat similar to a specific instance of virtue signaling like right nah i'm cool i like the gays but -hmm. again it gets a little bit more complicated like with my prison example when it's actually co-opting queer um liberation movements like there's a queer liberation movement to abolish prisons because prisons are evil specifically to gay people and a lot of other people so the queers are like let's get rid of them and then the prison industrial compress pinkwash that by co-opting it and saying you're so right we need more prisons so that we can be better to the queer people right and that didn't work and also another prison specific example from normal life was the prison rape elimination act which came about in 2003 and it was an act that was supposed to Reduce prison rape, right? Sounds great. 10 out of 10. Except for the way it did that was by giving more disciplinary ability to guards, (laughs) which backfired. (laughs) Okay. So, like, they were able to discipline people for having sex, period. Mm. So, like, consensual sex ended up being um, disciplined. And, like, the prison guards still could sexually assault people. And the argument that Dean Spade made to, like, to my understanding, was that, like, being in prison is a sexual assault, right? You you have cavity searches. They're sexual assaults. Like, you can't right. have sexual assault-free prisons. That's, like, an oxymoron. And so any disciplinary acts or disciplinary abilities that you give to prison guards in order to quote-unquote prevent sexual assaults in prisons are just going to expand their power so that's pinkwashing is like kind of like expanding an organization's power by way of kind of coding it in this kind (laughs) of social justice this like veneer and like maybe specifically queer coded Mm -hmm. and it is specifically queer coded generally yeah right and so I didn't know this, and, like, I feel stressed talking about this because it's a really complicated issue that people are really heated about, 
But <laughs> one of the first like really popular examples of queer of pink washing wasn't in the US mm-hmm. at all. It was a term that was popularized by Palestinian queer people. Okay. Palestinian queer and trans activists who this is another quote from Normal Life brought the world's attention to Israel's strategic framing of itself as gay-friendly and of Arab and Muslim people and countries as homophobic for purposes of covering over and distracting from its ongoing brutal colonization and occupation of Palestine. Right. So it was the it was Palestinian queer and trans activists who like coined this term pinkwashing as a way to try to describe what the Israeli government was doing. In sort of, like, they have this power structure where they are colonizing. Mm -hmm. And in order to be like, no, we're the good guys. This is a good thing we're doing. They're like, because those people hate the gays. And we love the gays. And clearly, we have the moral high ground if we love the gays and they hate the gays. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And again, like, the, the Palestine... And Israel history is not something I have a lot of his- a lot of knowledge on. Yep. Um, however, that tracks. <laughs> right. Um, and, From what I've heard. And especially since Israel was probably doing a lot of post- that posturing specifically to the U.S. because like uh, because we are who we are, mm-hmm. and the U.S. is already pretty predisposed to thinking Muslims. And Arabs and Palestinians, first off, thinking they're all the same people. Let's start there. Second off, thinking that they're all backwards and hate queer people. Right. So, like, the U.S. is already predisposed, so that's probably a pretty easy sell. Yeah. So, again, like, I... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well... So that was where... The, that's where the term, like, literally came from. That is... That makes That sense. is where the Palestinian queer mm-hmm. and trans activist created the term to try to describe what Israel was doing. Right. And I, I think that's really interesting when you try to, I think that this is making me think of a lot of different examples of this. I think that it isn't, to me, it doesn't take a lot of like, hard thought to be able to come up with a couple of like, really obvious examples of this just like, in the world around us. I feel like this is kind of ubiquitous it in modern of, politics. It is. And it has a lot of overlap with uh, rainbow capitalism. Right. I was going to say, because we just did that whole episode on rainbow capitalism. But it is different. So like, let's, let's, let's pull it back. So like AT&T okay. was one of the rainbow capitalist companies that we like really railed on. Right. Yeah. yeah. So like AT&T plasters all their shit and pride shit for June and mm-hmm. then donates bunches of money to people who are politicians who are attacking queer people. Right. Right. Bad. Rainbow capitalism. We don't like it. However, that isn't like quite pinkwashing I don't think. Um, like, mm-hmm. I don't think it'd be co- wrong to call it pinkwashing. It's just not like, it's not a perfect example of pinkwashing because again, they're not like expanding any any systems of control okay. under the excuse of queerness. Now, maybe if they were like, like if they said something along the lines of like, we're going to expand 5G coverage to queer communities during Pride Month. And mm-hmm. so to do that, we're going to listen into all of your conversations and figure out where the most queer people live. Yeah. Or we're like going to like burn like down low income neighborhoods to set up our like distribution centers or something. Like right, if right. they like, if they were like, we're going to do something that helps you and then like actually it is just performative and is expanding. Yeah, actually. So, like, exactly. If they were, like, we're going to expand 
5G to queer neighborhoods and we need your donations. So like donate to us because we're doing cool queer shit. And then a bunch of queers gave them their money and then they just expanded, period. <laughs> they just like made their monopoly bigger. Right. <laughs> Would definitely like that also. Right. I mean, AT&T itself being a monopoly is not like a specific power that oppresses queer people, but like it's part of capitalism. It's bad. <laughs> but it is that particular action would be utilizing a veneer of queer acceptance in order to broaden their power yeah. in a way that if it was done without that veneer of queerness, it probably, or at least queer acceptance, right. it probably wouldn't be something that a lot of queer people would go for. Right. Because who's going to donate to at and <laughs> like, yeah. So yeah, that, I think that pinkwashing is very specific, like somehow by using this veneer of supporting or loving or whatever, being part of the queer community, you are expanding powers that actually in the end unequally harm right the queer community which has large overlap with like um impoverished communities and has large overlap with like immigrant communities etc 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 right and i think that's interesting because one of the other examples that comes to mind for me and i don't know if this is a real example because i was going to just say rainbow capitalism as a blanket and i see how that would have been not fully correct right but i was thinking also the way that the specifically the democratic party in the united states mm-hmm. which is the liberal party it's the one that we usually vote for l and i because <clears> we are i would just like to point out the dean spade uh, it would say it's the neo neoliberal party because like I think, biden <laughs> yeah it is it's not the leftist party it's we'll certainly that. not that <laughs> it's barely a progressive party globally it is not a progressive party right but <laughs> The Democratic Party in the United States, I think, actually utilizes this like constantly, constantly. in their messaging because a lot of the messaging in the Democratic Party is like, if you don't vote for us, they're going to just kill all the queers. Oh, my God. And this brings me to something that like really hurts my heart. And like I tried to block out. <sighs> Y'all, Obama was like super guilty of this. Was he? Yeah, like super guilty of this, uh. which like. For our listeners, I don't know if I've recently talked about this on the podcast, but I'm from the south side of Chicago. I grew up very near Obama's kids. I have a special place in my heart for Barack Obama. I've met him. He's super chill. However, the more that I learn about like the concept of neoliberalism, the more I'm skeptical of his policy decisions, and the more I learn about like Afghanistan and Iran and our presence there. So anyway, let's talk about how Obama pinkwashed. <laughs> One moment. <laughs> <laughs> so like I said, this was written in late 2014. So Obama was, you know, still president. Still president, and actively like, president. Yeah, and the most important news story of the day, Trump wasn't here yet. So again, I'm not an expert at this. I'm just telling you what Dean Spade told me. I, I do trust Dean Spade deeply. And this wasn't, this is just an afterward. So he didn't go into a lot of detail on it. But there's a quote here. That says, the United States under the Obama administration has also increasingly promoted a quote-unquote pro-gay and to some extent, quote, pro-LGBT image of itself to cover up and distract from the ongoing expansions of brutal racist violence undertaken by the administration. In recent years, outrage has been growing about Obama's drone wars, his record-breaking deportations, his administration's use of widespread surveillance technologies, his targeting of whistleblowers, the growing wealth divide, and his scandalous upward transfer of wealth in the 2008 
bailout and the police violence and crisis level expansion of imprisonment, including for profit imprisonment in the United States under his watch. <sighs> Which again makes me sad. I like Obama. Right. He's from my hometown. But he didn't he he did a lot of questionable shit. Well, I mean, I think that the Democratic Party in general does a lot of questionable shit. And I think that that is just kind of a... But but the pinkwashing part of it is mm-hmm. not that he did questionable shit. That's just... That's neoliberalism for you. The pinkwashing part of it is how much he wants to be remembered instead as the president who legalized gay marriage, who got rid of Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Mm-hmm. And especially the Don't Ask, Don't Tell bit, because that's a pinkwashing of the military while right. his military was doing really not progressive shit but he got to be able to be like but no more don't ask don't tell so like we're protecting our gays right which is pinkwashing like right at its best (laughs) right and i know that like there's a thing that happens right now with kind of more modern politics the democratic party broadly but specifically arizona senator kristen cinema who is frankly, an independent from Arizona and is gumming up a lot of legislation that the Democrats want to pass, some of which would actually possibly be relatively decent for this country. Mm -hmm. And like... And relatively progressive. And relatively progressive. And part of her campaign sort of messaging and part of the reason she got elected in the first place is because she is openly bisexual. And she's yeah. one of the first openly bisexual people to serve in the U.S. Senate. Right. And, like, that is on its own, like, these little, like, progressive markers in her box of, like, look, we elected a bisexual woman yeah. to Congress. It's so cool. We're all so cool here. She's going to do great things for the queer community. And then she voted down the $15 minimum wage with a little TikTok dance. So, like... right. You know, it just and I, again, I want to be clear. I don't think that's pinkwashing because it's not expanding. It, it's not expanding a locus of fair. power, but it is. It's wrapped up in the same concept of okay. like it's wrapped up in the same concept. I, I think that there is this concept, and I think it comes from years of pinkwashing. Like the same attitude that allows pinkwashing allows this concept that if somebody is queer, they are going to be inherently better, progressive, liberal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know it's painful for us us non-cis people to talk about, but I'm blanking on her name. Caitlyn Jenner? Yeah, Caitlyn Jenner. I mean, you don't have to look any further than Caitlyn Jenner. That's true. Caitlyn Jenner is... Does she exists. She's super duper trans. We do not misgender her. Get the fuck out of here. Right. <laughs> she's a woman. She's 1000% valid as a woman. And she's a shitbag person. Yeah. <laughs> you can be both. <laughs> you can be both. You can be all of the above. Like, being being queer does not make you a good person like it doesn't and it certainly doesn't make you a progressive person but there is kind of this concept and i think that's what allows pinkwashing Mm. it's not the same as pinkwashing but the concept that if you are queer you are inherently more progressive or just like cooler right and it, (laughs) it is something that like has very much been picked up on by the relative left part of the right. United States politics. But I think that Caitlyn Jenner is a good example of like the right trying to pick up on that too. Although not successfully because she went to um whatever the conservative like like a CPAC conferences. Or something, yeah, and, and got, got booed off stage. Yeah. But there Because was... like they still are transphobic. I don't right. know what, where she missed that memo, but <laughs> And I mean very similarly there was a person a uh, like a radio personality or an internet personality who is extremely pro-trump and also gay can't mm-hmm. remember his name 
but he got chased out of the Republican Party as well during the Trump campaign. And like, I think that's why this thought is so pervasive, because it is, I mean, I will say this, it is harder to be openly queer and not progressive. That's we true. live in a society that is harmful to queer people, especially on the right side of the aisle. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's harder, but it's not impossible. Like, it's not like, and especially in terms of pinkwashing, so in terms of like structures of power, they can be act because they're not a single person. They're not being harmed. They can be actively painted in pink, i.e. pinkwashed, and working for really uh, regressive stances. You know, like that's right. not... Because they don't have a home anywhere else. Yeah. And like that doesn't... Like it is harder on the individual level, although again, not impossible. You can be queer and a shitbag person <laughs> in any way. Like it doesn't... There it doesn't, are plenty of examples. Right. Plenty of examples. Um. I'm just remembering so distinctly when I was watching, what the fuck is her name? Gigi Gorgeous, who mm-hmm. I just despise. I just don't like her energy. She's like a YouTube makeup person. I'm sure she's fine, but I don't like her energy. And I was like, am I allowed to not like her? She's trans. And I was like, that's a stupid thought. Yeah, no, I don't like her. Right, right, right. All right. So what can we do as a society of Be individuals? critical. Be critical. Well, first, first step, read Normal Life. By Dean Spade. Have I said it enough? It's called Normal Life by Dean Spade. Um, we'll, we'll link it in the description. And we also probably linked it in last week's description. So We'll link it in a few more descriptions. It's great. Fucking go read it. It took <laughs> me like six months to read, though. So like it is dense. But right. read it anyway. Um, but yeah, being critical. Like just because somebody is pro- gay marriage or pro- even like I think the next stage of it is going to be even because even though somebody is- pro um gender affirming healthcare doesn't mean that you agree on all your values right like you still have to be like mm, but what do you think about the palestine situation mm, what do you think about like our role in afghanistan <laughs> like what do you think about the prison industrial complex what do you think about the prison industrial complex like just because you agree on queer issues you can't just like give that person and especially not that system of power clean break you know right right and so i guess probably on an individual level like you said be mindful be keep your wits about you keep your wits about you and just like do your research like when you're when you're going to go vote yeah look at a person's like not just whether or not they're queer friendly i know for a long time that was probably one of my like go-to wikipedia page belief things like what do they think about the queers and then that was like yes or no based on that. And that's still a fair one because like, you know, if you're like fucking, if you're trans in Arkansas, like that might be your main thing because you might only have one politician you could vote for who is right. pro-trans rights in Arkansas. <sighs> I have family in Arkansas. I'm allowed to say this shit about Arkansas. <laughs> I have lots of feelings. But if you have multiple options, don't just think that they're all equal. Like yeah. we are moving into a place where there are going to be queer people on the right and there are going to be people who are actively... Like, maybe they've, like, given up on gay marriage. They're like, that's a lost cause, but I'll use that as, like, bait to get people. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So just be mindful of what can happen around you and what people actually say and do. Yeah. Because I think that's the other piece of it, too, is it's not always tied Mm one-to-one. Like, the, the stuff about Obama more, like, framing his administration as, look at all the good stuff I did for the gays, and, like... 
I feel like the Don't Ask, Don't Tell one is really interesting because yeah, it, it that's works. Yeah, it's a whole thing itself. It, like, it's its own entire pinkwashing thing. But then also just, like, I've done so much for the gay community. And, like, that's true, but you also did all this stuff that progressives, which has a large overlap with the gay community, would not... Appreciate. Appreciate, would not jive with. And so, yeah. like, it's not enough necessarily to just look at how does this queer, like, on-its-face queer positive policy affect people down the line it's also how is this being used as a banner to like cover up the big as a banner damage on the and again is it expanding systems you don't agree with so again like i really the prison one is such a good example of like building new prisons specifically to protect gender non-conforming people sounds like such a good idea but then you have to be like wait but that's expanding the prison industrial complex which i don't agree with so i don't agree with it even in this concept Which Elle and I are prison abolitionists, right. so we just fundamentally disagree with the prison industrial complex in general. And if you don't agree with that, I have some book recommendations for you. <laughs> <laughs> Email us, add us, message us on Twitter. We'll, yeah. we'll get you something. Yeah. Yeah. So do you want to do a, one more quick summary real quick, just to kind of wrap up? So pinkwashing is the use of queer rights and queer liberation to either distract from things that progressives would not agree with or to kind of like co-op queer liberation in a way that actually expands oppressive pieces of power. Right. And be on the lookout for it because like people are, I mean, people are doing this on purpose. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the co-opting one sounds really insidious. Like the ones where it's just kind of like a coat of paint over something. I feel like that's relatively like, wait a minute. Yeah. And you like take the Scooby-Doo mask off. But no, the co-opting one is really... But like the, you're right about the prison one. Like I feel like even two years ago, I would have seen that and been like, oh, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. And like, it just isn't... And I mean, it's hard to be like, I'm against the like ending rape in prisons act or whatever I said it was. Yeah. It's hard to be like, no, I don't agree with that. However, I don't. It expands fucking prison guards disciplinary powers. They don't use them right yet. Why do I think if I give them more power, they're going to use it right now? What right. kind of logic is that? <laughs> right, right, exactly. So it is it is a bit of an insidious thing. I'm really glad there's a word for it. Shout out to the people who invented it. The Palestinian queers. The Palestinian queers. Mm-hmm. That, shout out to them. Thank you very much for inventing this amazing language. And yeah, keep an eye out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's where we're going to wrap it up this week on Gender Journeys, the podcast where we talk about just what the heck gender actually is in context. As always, I am one of your hosts, Josie, and I'm joined by your other host, my lovely partner, Elle. Bye, Elle. And until next time, just keep thinking about it. Music for Gender Journeys composed by Sonia Berdash. If you want to stay up to date with Gender Journeys episodes or just want to say hi, you can follow us on Twitter at gender underscore journeys or on Tumblr at genderjourneys.tumblr.com. You can also find us online at josiewrites.com slash gender journeys. We hope to hear from you soon.